Al-Bayan Radio presents the following special presentation from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Uh, the Sheikh's asking brothers, uh, who are the people of Allah? Anyone can answer. You can put your hand up. Who is that special group يعني, that Allah Azza wa Jal? Uh, yes. نعم صحيح هم أهل القرآن هل هل تحفظ الدليل؟ He said correct they are uh, the people of the Quran uh, do you memorize أخي the proof؟ من يحفظ الدليل؟ Is there anyone يعني who's memorized the proof؟ الحديث في سنن ابن ماجه من حديث أنس ابن مالك رضي الله عنه قال صلى الله عليه وسلم إن لله أهلين من الناس إن لله أهلين من الناس الصحابة الكرام رضوان الله عليهم أجمعين سألوا رسول الله من هم يا رسول الله قال هم أهل القرآن أهل الله وخاصته The Sheikh said after obviously saying to the brother that that was correct and then getting the dalil from our beloved brother Walid uh, and the Sheikh says correct when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said indeed Allah has this special group of people and it's actually been attributed this group of people to his name subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says that the companions they asked who are they he said the people of Allah are the people of the Quran so he asks who are the people of the Quran though our brothers who are the people of the Quran you don't need to be shy brothers Ahsant. الحسن البصري رحمه الله الإمام الجليل الحسن البصري يعني ولد في زمن الصحابة رضوان الله عليهم وأخذ منهم العلم ماذا يقول الحسن البصري العالم الجليل يقول أهل القرآن أهل القرآن شو أهل القرآن هم العالمون به العاملون بما فيه أهل القرآن العاملون العالمون به العاملون بما فيه The Sheikh says the noble scholar Al-Hasan Al-Basri rahimahullah who was born at the time of the companions he explains this phrase the people of the Quran he says the people of the Quran are the ones that understand it and they implement it ايضا قال رحمه الله ان اهل القران هذه علامات لاهل القران ان اهل القران راوا ان القران رسائل من ربهم ان القران رسائل من ربهم فتدبروها بالليل وتفقدوها بالنهار تدبروها بالليل أهل القرآن يعيشون القرآن في ليلهم وفي نهارهم لا يتجاوزون القرآن علاقتهم صلتهم مع كتاب الله عز وجل
تلاوة لأن الله عز وجل وهذا ذكره الحسن رحمه الله الذين يتلونه حق تلاوته هم الذين يعيشون القرآن تلاوة وعملا وتدبرا وفهما وعملا بأحكامه وتأدبا بآدابه ووقوفا عند حدوده هؤلاء هم أهل القرآن أخلاقهم من القرآن معاملاتهم من القرآن في كل شأنهم هم مع القرآن والقرآن معهم Sheikh says the people of the Quran they are the ones who understand and implement it and implement that which is in it he also said the people of the Quran and these are the signs of the people of the Quran that they understand the Quran is a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in it are messages from Allah Azza wa Jal and they contemplated upon these messages by night and likewise by the day they acted upon it they live the Quran in their nights and likewise in the day not transgressing that which comes in the Quran their connection is to the Quran the book of Allah Azza wa Jal reciting it and this is what Al-Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala he said reciting it those who recite it as Allah Azza wa Jal said a true recitation those are the ones who live it recite it act upon it contemplate upon it act upon its commands that which Allah commanded and they do not transgress the prohibitions of Allah Azza wa Jal their characteristics are that which came in the Quran and are also their dealings likewise and everything in their lives قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم من جعل القرآن أمامه قاده إلى الجنة ومن جعله خلفه ساقه إلى النار أيها الإخوة الكرام من جعل القرآن أمامه القرآن هو إمامك وهو أمامك يعني الإنسان إذا كان القرآن أمامه ماذا يرى لن يرى إلا القرآن أما إذا جعله خلفه لن يرى القرآن لن يرى أحكامه لن يرى حلاله ولا حرامه ولن يرى حدوده ولن يرى أخلاقه وآدابه أما لو القرآن أمامنا لن نرى إلا القرآن نتبع نتبع القرآن فمن تمسك به وصل إلى the Sheikh says it's also come <coughs> it's also come in Sahih Targhib or Tarheeb that whoever acts yani a narration, whoever acts upon the Quran or whoever places the Quran in front of him, it will lead him to Jannah, and whoever places the Quran behind him, then to the fire. The Sheikh says the Quran should be your model and is your model. And if you place it in front of you, you won't see except the Quran. But rather, if you place it behind you, then you won't be seeing that Qur'an. You won't see it's halal, you won't see it's haram, you won't see that which it calls to regarding the bounds and the measures. You won't see that which it calls to regarding the characteristics and the traits and the likes as if it was in front of you. He says, we follow the Qur'an and whoever takes hold of it, يعني, uh, if you place the Qur'an in front of you, you will be able to take hold of it. 
لذلك أيها الإخوة هكذا يجب أن نعيش القرآن إن كنا بالفعل نريد أن نكون من أهل القرآن وكلمة أخيرة من نعم الله علينا وعليكم ومن نعم الله على القارة الإسترالية وجود هذه المجالس هنا وهناك وهنالك الحمد لله المجالس كثيرة مجالس العلم كثيرة في القارة الإسترالية ومجالس الذكر كثيرة في القارة الإسترالية هذا والله من فضل الله علينا جميعا ومن نعم الله علينا جميعا فلا تهملوا هذه المجالس أينما كانت ولا تضيعوها ولا تغفلوا عنها لأن هذه المجالس الله جل جلاله يباهي بها الملائكة هذه المجالس يقول الله عز وجل فيهم يعني أشهدكم أني قد غفرت لهم حتى الذي لم يكن منهم ما دام هو معهم ولو كان من أشقى الناس غفر الله له هذه البركة التي يجب أن نحفظها وأن نحافظ عليها فأسأل الله أن يثبتكم أن يثبت قلوبكم وأن يزيدكم من فضله أن يزيدكم علما وأن يتقبل منكم وأن يحفظكم أنتم وأولادكم وآباءكم وأمهاتكم وأموالكم فالله سبحانه وتعالى هو خير حافظ وجزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته The Sheikh says, because of this, we must live the Qur'an if we really want to be people of the Qur'an. And the Sheikh makes a mentioning that from the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jal upon يعني, the Australian continent in Australia is these kind of gatherings and the gatherings of the people of knowledge and the gatherings of knowledge. He says, this is from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to neglect them, not to fall short regarding them. And he mentions a narration where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of these type or types of gatherings uh, in front of the angels, saying, I make you bear witness that I have forgiven them. Even if that person isn't with them, meaning fully attentive possibly and the likes, but rather because he's amongst them, then this person, even if he's from the worst, will insha'Allah ta'ala get forgiven. And then the Sheikh makes dua for everyone uh, to increase them in knowledge, to protect them, to support them, and to accept from everyone, your children, your, your fathers, your mothers, your wealth, and the likes. Barakallahu Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Indeed, all praise is due to the Almighty Allah. We seek His aid and His assistance and we ask for His forgiveness. Whomever Allah Azza wa Jal guides, there is no misguidance for this individual. And whomever He subhanahu wa ta'ala misguides, there is no guidance for this individual. We bear witness, testify and proclaim that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah Azza wa Jal and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and messenger. Allah Azza wa Jal, he says in the Qur'an that which is translated as, O you who believe, fear Allah as he should be feared, and do not die except in a state of total submission towards him. My brothers, with Ramadan around the corner, many of us are trying our best to increase in our acts of worship, to do that which we can, so that we can enter Ramadan, inshaAllah ta'ala, yani, 
on the biggest Iman high and boost, if you'd like to say. But my brothers, it isn't enough يعني, that we do the good deeds. For many of us, we fall short in staying away from the evil, staying away from the bad deeds. What would we say about a man who has his cheek or the side of his face from his mouth and his nose and his eyes torn with an iron hook to the back of his head? What would we say about a man who is standing on top of another man with a boulder or a rock smashing his head on the floor? What would we say about men and women naked sitting in a furnace or an oven getting burnt alive? And what would we say about a man swimming in a river red like blood getting pelted with stones and pebbles? And what would we say about a man with brass brass nails scratching his face and his chest and what would we say about a man being hung upside down by his hamstring being hung upside down by his hamstring with the side of his face torn and blood spilling falling down on his face these my brothers does anyone know why or where this is from before we continue anyone in this room yeah very good. It's from a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam detailing to us, detailing to us some of the punishments of the grave and the hereafter. And the reason I specifically chose this topic because on a beautiful and blessed night like this, inshaAllah ta'ala, I'd assume that some of the brothers might not be brothers that attend regular lessons. Wallahu alam. It's only an assumption. Some of the brothers after this hadith which we hear today, which inshallah I'm going to try not to take you know, too much time, but may never hear this hadith again in their lives. And some of the brothers may have never heard this hadith in their lives. So this might be the first and it might be the last time you hear this narration. So understand it and inshallah ta'ala ensure that you act upon it as the Sheikh said. The first man that we're going to be discussing, which comes in the hadith, is a man as we said. He had, as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was sitting with his companions one day, he asked them, and this was common from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he asked them, who amongst you saw a dream last night? So some of them at times would answer, and some of them at times would say, none of us. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam often would say, well, I saw a dream. I saw a dream. And we know that the dreams of the Prophets and Messengers are truth. Their truth. So he says, I saw that two men came to me and told me to go with them. So I followed them until I saw a man with an iron hook on the side of his mouth. With an iron hook on the side of his mouth, getting pulled and torn all the way to the back of his head and in his nose all the way to the back of his head and in his eye all the way to the back of his head. So the Prophet ﷺ tells us that this side of the mouth that this occurred to, when that side was done, the other side would have the same done to it. And when that side is finished, and by the time that it's finished, the other side would have been restored. So that Allah Azza wa Jal can make this individual continue to suffer the punishment. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ سَوْفَ نُصْلِهِمْ نَارًا 
indeed those who disbelieve in the signs of Allah, then indeed we will make him taste the punishment. Indeed, we will make him taste the fire. كُلَّمَا نَضِجَتْ جُلُودُهُمْ بَدَّلْنَاهُمْ جُلُودًا غَيْرَهَا لِيَذُوقُ الْعَذَابِ Every single time, this is in the hellfire, every single time their skins would become roasted, Allah Azza wa Jal will substitute those skins for other skins so that they may face and taste the punishment. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَزِيزًا حَكِيمًا Indeed, Allah is almighty or wise. So who is this individual that the Prophet ﷺ told us? He is a man who went out and he said a word. This is why we say, brothers, guard the tongues. Through the tongues, a man can divorce his wife. Through the tongues, a man could become married. Through the tongues, a man may lose his position, his job, his authority. Through the tongue, many sins can commit. Which is why the ulama, they say, regarding the woman, for example, that if a woman's tongue is long with her husband, her days with him will be short, as one of many examples. So this man, he went out. He said a word, as the Prophet ﷺ told us, which reached, it was a lie. It was a fabrication. But this word reached the end of the worlds, as the hadith says. And because of this, he used this tongue, this blessing that Allah Azza wa Jal gave him against what Allah wanted. So Allah Azza wa Jal recompensated this individual by having his mouth torn, the edges completely to the back of the head. Another man, he says, and just on a side note regarding that uh, one point, which I'll mention just for the benefit, because inshallah, I can see most of the brothers yani, are young, wallahu alam. It's guard the tongue, especially when it comes to people's honor. Especially when it comes to people's honor. Speaking about the opposite gender and calling them names and words and calling them things like, you know, promiscuous behavior that they slept around, he slept around, she slept around. We've said many times that under an Islamic government, this individual will be asked to provide four witnesses for saying that or else he will be lashed under an Islamic government. Lashed. Subhanallah. There's a lot we can say about the topic, but moving on to the second man. The man was standing. He had a boulder. He had a rock smashing the head of another man that was lying down. So what did this individual he do for this man's head or for his own head to be smashed? The Prophet ﷺ tells us, which ties in exactly to what the Shaykh said here, that it was a man that Allah gave the Qur'an. Allah gave the Qur'an. And through the nights he neglected it. He did not recite it. And in the days he did not act upon it. And in one version it says, and he used to sleep through the obligatory prayers. Because of his sleeping through, he would put his head on the pillow, he would put his head on the floor, neglecting what Allah Azza wa Jal obliged him with. And because of that, Allah Azza wa Jal recompensated this individual by having his head absolutely smashed and bashed on the floor with a boulder. With a boulder. So much so that the hadith says that when the man that is smashing that person's head on the floor, when he throws that rock and it hits, it would roll away. So the man would go and chase that rock. By the time he gets it and goes back to the man, that man's head is restored as it was so that he can continue to taste the punishment.
The third group of people the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saw was men and women naked, naked men and women, in a furnace, in an oven, in that which is known as a tanur, usually that which is used to bake bread and the likes. And what will be happening to them? They will be in this furnace which is narrow from the top, which is wide and spacious from the bottom with a fire kindled underneath. The Prophet ﷺ said their bodies were swollen. It's as if they had their bodies swollen so they can feel the punishment more. Their scent was disgusting like the smell of toilets and the likes. The Prophet ﷺ said that he heard screaming. He heard shouting from there. And every time the fire would kindle and rise, they would too kindle and rise. These are who? These are who the Prophet said, Az-Zawani, they are the male and female fornicators. The male and female adulteresses. Those who went and performed that disgusting abomination of a deed, of a sin. So Allah Azza wa Jal will recompense them with that punishment. And it is enough of the punishment of the dunya that if there was an islamic government what would happen to them which we all know but it is enough even if there was no islamic government to establish the punishment it is enough of a punishment my brothers that the brothers that go and it begins by a word and it gets to a text and it goes to a call and it gets to a visit or a meeting until it reaches that which is why allah azza wa jal says zina, and don't even come close to zina don't even come close to this. And wallahi, as I said, it is enough of a punishment, a mental punishment, that if you, my brother, or if this brother or this sister was to go and perform that disgusting deed and sin, and she was to get pregnant from that, then it is enough that according to most of the ulama, that that child will never ever be able to take your name. You will never ever be able to attribute that child to you even to the extent that when that child, imagine this, when that child, and I'm sure many aren't married, but for those who get, will get inshallah married, think about this point when you get married. And for those who have sons and daughters, especially the daughters, think about this point when you see the love that a father has for his daughter like the brother Muhammad said in the last time he was sitting here, no one will ever love a child like who? Like the father and like the mother. So you can imagine that this girl, this baby girl, this princess that you raised your whole life grows up. And because of that deed that you chose to do in a haram way, that when it's time for her to get married, you go and you get the judge to marry her off and you have nothing to do with that. You have nothing to do with that marriage or because of one, one second, a moment of happiness and joy and ecstasy that you wanted to do in haram when you had a great chance to do it in halal in the first place. Look at the punishment, the mental punishment ah, before the physical punishment which is awaiting these people if they do not repent to Allah Azza wa Jal. And the fourth man, so I don't go too long, or the fourth person, as the Prophet ﷺ is a person that was swimming in a river. This river was red like blood. This river was red like blood. And there was another person, as the hadith says, at the bank of that river. Every time this man that was swimming would reach there, he would open his mouth 
This is the dream the Prophet ﷺ saw, and the dreams of the Prophets are true. He would open his mouth, and that man that was on the bank would throw pebbles into his mouth, and then the swimmer would go and come back, and the same would happen. Who is this man? This is a man. This is a man. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to speak about this with the, 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 yani, the age bracket, if you'd like to say, with many brothers possibly just having been married or going to get married soon, inshallah ta'ala. And more generally for anyone who already is married, when they go and they deal with the sin that causes them to receive this punishment, as the Prophet wasallam told us, that is a man that used to indulge in riba. This sin... That in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He told us, الَّذِينَ يَأْكُلُونَ الرِّبَى لَا يَقُومُونَ إِلَّا كَمَا يَقُومُ الَّذِي يَتَخَبَّطُهُ الشَّيْطَانُ مِنَ الْمَسِ That this person, those who consume usury, those who consume interest, call it what you want. The West has given it these luxurious names. The West has sprinkled these uh, decorative names to make it sound nice. But the names don't change the reality, my brothers. The names don't change the reality. For whether you call alcohol what it is, or whether you call it spirits, whether you call the relationship that you have with a girl unlawfully, whether you call it friends with benefits, or whether you call it zina, the names don't change the reality. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or Allah azza wa jal, he says, those who consume this interest, they will not stand on the day of resurrection, except the one that stands who, like who? The one that has been beaten by shaitan leading to insanity. Leading to insanity. And Allah Azza wa Jal, as we know in the Quran, mentions those that indulge in riba, that they are the ones that he will allege war against. Uh, then, you know, take notice of a war from Allah and his messenger, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. He says, as comes in many tafasir, that this man on the day of resurrection, it will be told to him, Khud Take your weapons for war. Take your weapons for war. So no doubt this is a grave sin. And let me end with this regarding the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, especially with Ramadan around the corner, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us of another dream that he had where two men took him up a cragged mountain and he heard screaming and he heard shouting and he heard crying until he saw a man hung upside down by his hamstrings. A man being held upside down by his hamstrings with the side of his face absolutely torn, blood dripping and drooling down his face. Who are they, O Jibreel? They are the ones that broke their fast before the time of breaking their fast was due. So where are the brothers? When we contemplate upon what we just heard, where are the brothers that gather between their prayers at the end of the day? Where are the brothers that say, my boss does not let me pray? Where are the brothers that say that I had to break my fast because I had a test on, I had an examination on, so I had to break the fast. When Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi rahimahullah ta'ala, since Ramadan's coming, we can end with this point. Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, the one that does not fast, the one that does not fast without a sickness or a legitimate reason and excuse, the one that does not fast without this, then he is worse, worse than a fornicator. And he is worse than an exploiter, someone who exploits others. And he says some of the scholars even refer to him or debated about his belief. Meaning some of the scholars even refer to him as a disbeliever. 
So take your obligations and your foundations seriously, my brothers, for wallahi, it is not a joke. Don't think that it is enough for you to just pray in the mosque or read some Qur'an and fast your month of Ramadan. This is not enough. Because there's also the other side, which is the sins and the transgression that we have to stay away from. And we all know the narration of those who the Prophet ﷺ referred to as the bankrupt when he says they will come with the prayer and the fasting and the zakat. But on the day of resurrection, because of what they did, especially towards the other or the creation with injustice and oppression and the likes, they will end up with no deeds and they will end up taking the sins of others and they will end up thrown into the hellfire. So take the matter extremely seriously. Wallahu a'la wa a'lam wa sallallahumma wa sallim wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all. Um, I noticed the shaykh couldn't be heard very well. Is this better? If I s- yeah, can the guys in the back hear better if I just focus on the one mic? Or both are? It's a bit hard. Unless I talk like this. Type. Maybe. <clears throat> I always like to start with this hadith, if you boys don't mind. Yeah, you just stay standing, Sheikh. Where the Prophet ﷺ, he says, he says, none of you will enter paradise until you believe. And none of you will truly believe until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. So the Prophet ﷺ, he says to the companions, he says, shall I tell you something that if you were to do it, it will increase the love amongst you? So naturally the companions, they said, yes, O Prophet of Allah. So he says to them, he says, give salam to one another. You know, my brother's salam, because most of us, alhamdulillah, were born and raised Muslims. We don't see it as a big thing. But giving salam is actually an act of worship. It's the right of a Muslim upon another Muslim. Giving salam, it kills and it extinguishes pride out of the hearts. It brings people together. It brings hasanat. It brings Allah's pleasure. The Prophet says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says, whenever two Muslims put their hands in each other's hands in giving salam, he says, both of their sins continue to fall until one removes the hand away. This is just by salam. So he says, give salam to one another. This will increase the love amongst us. So if I can kindly ask you, inshallah, just a quick 30 seconds, if everyone can stand up and give salam to someone that you don't know, inshallah. Inshallah ta'ala, brothers. Um, just before I start, please, if I can kindly ask the brothers and the sisters that inshallah, nobody to be recording, please, inshallah. Tonight, uh, as we said, it'll be from the heart, inshallah. You know, when your phone starts recording, your heart stops recording. So tonight, inshallah, there's tons and tons of talks on YouTube and whatever you want. But tonight, inshallah, if we can just turn off our phones and if we can focus to the best of our abilities and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses this gathering. My brothers, in the beginning, Bismillah, Walhamdulillah, Wassalatu, Wassalam, Ala Rasulillah, all praises due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with some peace and blessings upon his beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. My brothers and sisters, in the very beginning there was nothing except Allah. Allah Jalla Jalalu is the first with no beginning and He Jalla Jalalu is the last with no ending. Allah Azza wa Jal is the creator of all things. 
He is the creator. He is the king. He is the master. He is the sustainer. He is the giver. He is the taker. He is the maker and he is the breaker. Allah Azza wa Jal is the king of kings. Nothing is like upon Allah. Nothing. Every single thing other than Allah is creation. Every single thing other than Allah is in need, is dependent. Without Allah's existence, everything fails, everything collapses, everything ceases to exist. Allah is not in need of anything. Allah is not in need of anyone. Allah is the Malik. All glory is to Allah. All Az is to Allah. All honor is to Allah. All pride is to Allah. Everything belongs to Him, Jalla Jalalu. He owns. It's His kingdom. Allah is not in need of anything. Allah is not in need of anyone. The Prophet ﷺ in the authentic hadith, when he was speaking to the companions, he says to them, I see what you don't see, and I hear what you don't hear. He says, He says, Verily the heavens have squeaked, and they have every right to squeak. They have every right to squeak. You know, my brothers, imagine when you buy a table, usually that table it has a maximum load. It's designed to carry a certain amount of weight, a maximum capacity. And that if you start loading onto this table more than what it was designed to do, it starts to make noise. It starts to give indication to you that you're putting more weight onto this than what it was designed to do. So it usually starts to crackle and make sounds. The Prophet is telling the companion sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, The heavens have squeaked. It's making that sound. And that it has every right to squeak. Why? He says, In all of the heavens, in all of the heavens. My brothers, how can one possibly understand what it means? There are seven heavens. How can you possibly understand what's in them? How can, how can it be related to the limited human being who can't see beyond his eyesight, who can't smell beyond what he's not? Extremely, how do you explain to him what the heavens are? In one, of the, in, in, in one of the narrations, one of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he says, he says, the first heaven in comparison to the second is like a ring in a desert. In another narration, he says, there's the distance of 500 years. The first heaven to the second, he says, it's like a ring in a desert. The expression comes to mean, if you were to lose a ring in a desert, in a desert of sand, What's the chances of you finding that ring? It's insignificant. This little ring that, it's insignificant. He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the first heaven to the, he says, the first heaven to the second is like a ring in a desert. And the second to the third is like a ring in a desert. And, 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 and. The Prophet is saying, that these heavens that have squeaked, they have every right to squeak. Why? He says, ma fi arba asabi'ah. In all of the heavens, there isn't room for four human fingers. There's no room for you to squeeze four human fingers, except there is an angel in prostration to Allah Azza wa Jal. In all those heavens, direct, directly on top of the Kaaba, 
There is a house in the heavens called Al-Baytul Ma'mur. It's directly on top of the Kaaba. Every single day, from Allahu A'lam when? Was it from the beginning of time? I don't know. But directly on top of the Kaaba, there are angels. Every single day, Allah grants permission for 70,000 angels. They enter, they make tawaf around this, this house, and then they leave. And then they're never given a chance to make tawaf again. It's a once in a lifetime for them. Every single day, there's a new batch of 70,000 angels, and they're never given a chance to do it again. Allah owns the heavens and the earths. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, Ya ibadi. Allah says, Please, my brothers, just try to you the best of your ability. Whenever you find a hadith that has explicit details, try to envision it. Because the details, they're not just there to fill up the gaps. Allah says, Ya ibadi, O my slave, Law awwalakum wa akhirakum. If the first of you till the last of you, the human of you and the jinn of you. He says, if the first of you to the last of you, the human of you and the jinn of you, if every single one of you was gathered and collected and stood before Allah on one plane, imagine every living thing stood in front of Allah on one plane, Allah Azza wa Jal says, and you were to ask me all, each and every individual was to ask Allah Azza wa Jal, not for what they need, but what they want, what they desired. Yani let your mind and heart run free and ask Allah for whatever your heart could possibly think and desire. Allah says, I will fulfill every single one of your requests and it will not decrease my kingdom an inch. Allah owns everything belongs to Him and everyone belongs to Him. And for you, my brother and sister, Allah has created the whole world, a whole ecosystem. Every single creation other than the human being has been designed and created by Allah, be it the mountains, trees, rivers, angels, jinn, animals, anything and everything other than the human being, Allah designed, fashioned, created, for the purpose of serving the human being. So now one has to ask, then who and what have I been created to serve? Look, I don't have much time. I wish I did, but I don't have much time. What does Allah want? If you're going to say Allah wants us to worship, that's a given. That's actually, you don't even have a choice in the matter. Allah says, verily the human and the jinn, the sheikh said earlier, I think he said it in the salah. Verily Allah, Allah says, we have not created the human nor the jinn, except except that they are to worship Allah. But is worshipping Allah enough? What Allah wants, what Allah deserves, is that you love him. Allah wants to be loved. 
Umar ibn Khattab, when he came, when he came to the Prophet وسلم, please my brothers, just stay with me as much as you can, because this is very important. Ramadan is coming. What do you want in the Ramadan? So Umar ibn Khattab, he comes. I can't, I can't sing how much I love this man. He comes to the Prophet وسلم, he says to my Prophet of Allah, I love you. He says, by Allah, I love you. He says, I love you more than my family. I love you more than my wealth. By Allah, I love you. So he says to him, Umar, do you love me more than you love yourself? He says, no. He says, then your iman is incomplete. So he goes, Allahu Alam, I don't know how long, maybe it was then and there, but there was a pause. Umar ibn Khattab, he took some time, then he comes back and he says to my Prophet of Allah, now I love you more than those things and I love you more than I love my own self. He says to him, now your iman is complete. Allah wants to be loved, not only him. Allah wants that he and his Prophet are loved. That's the rights of Allah. Because there's nothing on this earth that should be more valuable than Allah. Because everything you have, my brothers and sisters, everything that's dear to you and everything that's valuable to you has only been granted and gifted to you by Him, Jalla Jalalu. The Prophet says in the authentic hadith, he says, ثَلَاثٌ مَنْ كُنَّ فِيهِ وَجَدَ بِهِنَّ الْإِيمَانِ The Prophet says, something we all complain about, something we all desire in our hearts. You know, my brothers, actually believing in Allah, having faith and iman in Allah, believe it or not, it actually has a taste, it has a flavor. When you love Allah, Allah puts a flavor. There's a taste. The Prophet says, there are three things. If they are present in an individual, in these three things, he will taste the very sweetness of Iman. The first thing he mentions, أَنْ يَكُونَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولُهُ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنَّا سِوَاهُمَا That Allah and His Prophet become more... They become more beloved to him than anything and everything else. When this comes, you will taste the sweetness of Iman. Allah has rights. Allah wants to be loved. Careful, my brothers. Loving Allah doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Never, never do you find Allah asks for perfection. Because perfection is a quality that only belongs to him, Jalla Jalalu. Once a companion was held accountable for drinking alcohol in front of the presence of, in front of, the, presence of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he was punished for his crime. 
He was punished for his crime. He was found guilty of drinking alcohol. And the Prophet ﷺ had given him the... After his punishment, some of the companions, they started to curse him. So the Prophet stopped them and said, don't do this. For by Allah, this man, he loves Allah and his Prophet. So be careful. To love Allah and his Prophet doesn't mean you have to be free from sin and that you're perfect. Perfection belongs to Allah Jalla Jalalu. But it means that you're doing your absolute best. That you're making an effort. Sometimes the pain of a sin, the pain of a sin is actually, the ulama say, the pain of a sin in a believer's heart is more beloved to Allah than the arrogance of the act of worship from Abid. Allah loves the pain in that sin. Allah loves that more. Why? Because although he's doing a sin, the pain it brings him, that pain only comes because out of his love for Allah. But he's pained because of his weaknesses. What does Allah want? What do you think, my brothers? Look, when I used to go to Taif, one of my teachers there, he was, I'll never forget this. I used to always tell him, well, how much do you want? He used to always tell me, well, how long is a piece of string? And he used to throw it back at me. Well, all right, you, you told me, how long is a piece of string? How much does Allah deserve? How much love should I give Allah? Allah doesn't just want to be worshipped, my brothers. Allah wants to be loved. Allah wants that in your heart, there's nothing more beloved to you than Him and His Prophet. And you can't separate the Prophet of Allah from Allah. You can't. Because you can't love Allah without going through the Prophet Allah says in the Quran, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ Allah says in the Quran that say if you are to love in kuntum to, that if you love Allah then follow Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because you can't reach Allah without him you can't love Allah without his prophet and you can't love his prophet without loving Allah so Allah again and again puts puts both into the equation Allah wants to be loved Allah deserves your best. Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't want scraps. Allah doesn't want leftovers. Allah doesn't want what, you know, if, no. Allah wants your best. And that's His rights. Because everything you have, beginning from your Islam and your Iman, you being in this masjid, me sitting in front of you talking, has only, it's only because of Allah's favors, nothing else. Whether you see it or not, whether you understand it or not, Allah chose you and favored you and I to sit in a gathering. The results of, look, what are the results of tonight? I don't know. They're all in the hands of Allah. Every one of you, your intention, why you're here, why I'm here, what's my intention from talking? This is too messy. But one thing I can guarantee you, because Allah and His Prophet guaranteed it in the hadith, the absolute minimum you will walk away from this gathering 
is Allah will forgive every single one of your sins. That's the minimum. And that's only out of his love and his favor. How much does Allah want? How much does Allah deserve? He deserves it all. Don't ever in your life, my brother and sister, allow your heart to convince you that you've done enough. Because no companion ever spoke like that. To Allah, my heart, my life, my blood, my, all my wealth, and all my everything for Allah. One thing you find in the Prophet ﷺ in specific, of course it was there in all of the Prophets, but one thing in the Prophet ﷺ, despite all of his hardships and everything that he went through and all of his trials and his tribulations, look, what happened to the Prophet ﷺ in Uhud, words can never do justice. The companion said when the Prophet saw his uncle Hamza in Uhud, they said he cried like we never saw him cry before. The way he cried when he saw his uncle Hamza in Uhud, he cried like they never seen him cry. Aisha radiallahu asks him later, she said to him, a prophet of Allah, was Uhud the most difficult day in your life? He said to Aisha, what your people did, because she's originally from Mecca, he said to Aisha, what your people did to me in Ta'if. He said, what you people did to me in Ta'if can never be matched and compared. The most difficult day in the life of the Prophet... So- so, sorry, well, because details, they drive me crazy. The Prophet ﷺ had four daughters and three sons. He buried every single one of his children with the exception... Of, he buried every single one of his kids with the exception of Fatima in his lifetime. He buried them all with his own hands. And he's telling Aisha the most difficult day he ever faced was in Ta'if. A day when he left Mecca on foot, traveled for 80 or so kilometers, went to the people of Ta'if. He's doing only what Allah ordered him to do. This wasn't something that came into his own mind. This, no, no. He's doing only what Allah ordered him to do. So he goes to Ta'if and over there he was met with rejection and humiliation. So much so that the people that released the kids and the thugs and the people of the street, they started mocking the Prophet, spitting at the Prophet, pelting him with stones, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Not just stoning him as in get out of here. They ran after him for kilometers, pelting him with stones and harming him. Until he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, eventually, he gets to a rock, he sits down, he's just, just to catch his breath. He just wants to catch a breather. So much he was bleeding that when he came to take his sandals off, they were stuck to his feet because of the blood. Wallahi, I don't have time. He says, Ya Allah, as long as you're not upset with me. All of it, all of it, Ya Allah, all of it. As long as you're not upset with me. You want my children, you want my life, you want my wealth, you want my health. You want to send me to Ta'if again. Anything and everything. As long as you're not upset with me. What does Allah deserve? He deserves it all. Because he gave it all. Does Allah want your worship? Allah wants your heart. Allah deserves your heart. In the battle of Tabuk, they call it the battle of Tabuk, although fighting never took place. 
Please, my brothers, just stay with me. A few minutes, I'm going to wrap up. The Battle of Tabuk, it's called the Battle of Tabuk, though there was no fighting. But so harsh were the conditions of Tabuk, it's called the Battle of Tabuk. And the Prophet ﷺ was there. Because again, how much should I love Allah? Or how long is a piece of string? How much? Yani how much can I give before I can say to myself, that brother, you know what, I've done enough. How much more does Allah want? Because sometimes shaitan, he, can, shaitan, he glorifies the little that we do. And makes you feel like, oh, brother, look, Allahu Akbar. To appreciate Tabuk, you have to understand the context. Tabuk, my brothers and sisters, so that you understand, the companions that migrated from Mecca to Medina, wallah, you actually need a whole lecture on this. The greatest sacrifice that was ever done to Allah, the greatest sacrifice that was ever presented to Allah, was the migration from Mecca to Medina. But that's not my subject. But to show you companions, they used to rank things. There's priorities, there, there was ranks. So in the Battle of Tabuk, those people that were in Medina, the way they lived was they were mainly they were farmers and they used to grow their crops. So they used to wait for the dates and it was an annual thing. So it was only once a year, they used to work on their land, watch these dates grow, and then they would harvest their dates and then they would use that to spend and buy what they need throughout the year. Make sense? So when they didn't have dates, they used to go to the shops, they would buy their rice, they would buy their food, and they had a system where, look, they would take, and it was recorded, and the deal was that when my crops come in, I'll come back and I'll pay you for the things that I've taken. So imagine they've done this all year round. So they're in debt for a year. And they're watching their crops. And wallah, my brothers, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. You read that hadith, you can't make it up. Allah Jalla Jalalu, because He chooses, Allah waits so that the harvest, the crops were just about ready to be harvested. Imagine, like think of it as money dangling in front of their eyes. That's their sweat, that's their livelihood. Just as they were getting ready to start harvesting their crops, the Prophet ﷺ, he says, we are going to Tabuk as an offensive wasn't a defense, and it's not like an army was coming to invade Medina and they had to go. No, the Prophet ﷺ decided to go and to take a stance, an offensive stance, towards the Romans, and he wanted to get a tabuk. Three weeks travel in the peak of heat. So the companions, يعني, you know, it, it, يعني, a Prophet of Allah. Give us, let us harvest, and then we'll go with you. It's, it's, there's no threat to Medina. This, this can definitely wait. I don't have time because the details are so amazing. But long story short, long story short, they, عنهم, this is the greatest ummah. They did exactly what he wanted. They sacrificed their crops. They sacrificed their harvest. And they left with him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And they traveled for three weeks in the peak of heat. They go there, they waited, and then they came back. They lost their annual crops. They lost one year of revenue. 
and they did everything he wanted sallallahu alaihi wasallam there was nothing that he asked for that they didn't do how do you think allah responded wallah my brothers i give da'wah here and there and i think brother i'm owed i'm owed Last night, one of the brothers was telling me he used to be a volunteer for the masjid. And he said to me, brother, you know, someone who would illegally park. I said to him, brother, you can't park here. He said to him, brother, I donated $60,000 to this masjid. What do you mean I can't park here? You do hajj, you come back and the guy doesn't call you hajj. People genuinely get upset, genuine. We do so little, and, and although we don't say it on our tongues, but it's in the hearts. It's like deep down, it's like, you know, look, I'm not, you know, look, I don't mean it like that. But if I'm not in Jannah, then I don't know who's going to be there. These companions, they did everything Allah asked for. Everything the Prophet ﷺ asked for. They go to Tabuk, and then they come back. What, how do you think Allah responded? So Allah Azza wa Jal, He brings down Qur'an. Remember my brothers and sisters, we're speaking about Allah deserves to be loved. How much? Allah says how much now? Allah Azza wa Jal, He brings down Qur'an after the companions did the greatest, one of the greatest acts of sacrifices for Allah, Allah brings down Qur'an. So harsh was this Qur'an, Allah reveals ayat in a chapter, in the only chapter in the Qur'an that doesn't start with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. So harsh were these verses. Allah did not want this chapter to start in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. So Allah brings down Qur'an in Surah At-Tawbah and He's telling the Prophet ﷺ, after they sacrificed everything for Allah, Allah brings Qur'an and He says to them what? Allah says, قُلْ Tell them, O Muhammad. Tell the companions. Tell those that sacrificed everything. Left no stone unturned. Tell them and tell this ummah until the day of judgment. قُلْ Tell them. إِنْ كَانَ Tell them, O Prophet of Allah. إِنْ كَانَ That if, إِنْ كَانَ آبَاءَكُمْ وَأَبْنَاءَكُمْ وَإِخْوَانَكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِرَاتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ اقْتَرَفْتُمُوهَا Tell them, O Prophet of Allah, that if their fathers and their sons and their brothers and their wives and their friends and the things that they love in halal, their homes, their businesses, their livings, their stock, their, tell them, if any one of these things, Tell them, O Prophet of Allah, that if any one of these things not is loved, Allah doesn't want you to love him like you love your mom. Allah doesn't want you to love him like you love your money. Allah doesn't want you to love him like you love your son. Allah says, if any one of these things are more beloved to you, then Allah and His Prophet 
and jihad in his way, then tell them, wait for, not maybe, not possibly, not Allah might. Allah says, definitely Allah's punishment is coming onto these people and Allah does not guide the fussak. Allah owns your heart. And Allah deserves to be loved more than anything and anyone else. That's Iman. That nothing on earth, Ya Allah, is more beloved to me than you and His Prophet. Not Allah, min Allahi, wa rasulih, wa jihadin fi sabili. Impossible you can do jihad if you don't love Allah and His Prophet. You can't do it. There's, there's no way because the equation, it just doesn't work. That's Allah's rights. And in return, Allah loves you back. And when Allah loves you, do you need anything else? Do you need anything else? You know what the greatest reward is for the believer? Who can tell me? Which young boy can tell me? I've got my bag in the car. $50 for whoever can tell me what's the greatest reward. Wallahi, my bag's in the car. I don't have money on me. But $50 Australian. But he has to be a young boy. Yes, you, inshallah. Bismillah. Stand up and tell me what's the greatest reward. To what? What's your name? Abdullah. Did someone tell you that? <laughs> Is your dad here with you? <laughs> come, come, Abdullah. Who said hit him up for a hundred? Did someone tell you that? Who told you that? Oh, your dad. <laughs> Brother, you spoiled it for me. Nah, oh man. I'm going to give you something, but I'm not going to give you the 50. Allah, sit down. My lost can't tell I reward you. Sheikh, you can't do that, bro. <laughs> yes, the greatest reward for a believer is not Jannah. What's that? Let it rain, brother. Let it rain. Halas, that, that came from, from the boys. Ibi, I'm not paying you back for that. <laughs> Riyadh, how is going to give you the hundred? <laughs> Yeah, the greatest reward for a believer is not Jannah. In Jannah, Allah Azza wa Jal, He will gather everyone. And Allah will say to the people in Jannah, Are you content? Are you fulfilled? And they will say, Allah, how can we not be content? You have given us everything and you've, everything that we've desired and you've saved us from the hellfire. And, 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 and. And then Allah Azza wa Jal, He will say to them, What? 
He said, let it be known that as of this day, I will never be displeased with you ever again. That's going to be your greatest moment, that one. And then Allah shall, and then Allah will reveal himself to us. That's the reward. Very quickly, what happens when I choose, what happens when I love something or someone other than Allah? What happens with someone or something more than Allah? You know what happens, my brothers and sisters? Allah will destroy you and humiliate you in this dunya through that very thing you love more than Him. Wallah, if you prefer your wife over, if you prefer your wife more than Allah, Allah will humiliate you in this dunya through your wife. If you love your money more than you love Allah, Allah will humiliate you through your money in this dunya. Anything that you choose, anything that you prefer and that you love more than Allah and His Prophet in this dunya, Allah will humiliate us through that very thing. So my brothers and sisters, it's time for Isha. This Ramadan, aim to love Allah. You can't love Allah, my brothers and sisters, if we don't know Him. How are you going to love Him? If you don't know Him, how... How can you love him if you don't know him? How can you love his Prophet if you don't know him? Know Allah. And when you know him, it's impossible. You have to love him. So who's ready to start loving Allah? More than anything else. Who? Who's going to make a promise that they're going to start to love Allah more than anyone? Mr. $100. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all and bless you all. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all, bless you and bless your families inshallah.